Luke 2, beginning at verse 41. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, because they were, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. This is the word of the Lord. So just as we come to God's word this morning, let's pause and pray, shall we? <clears throat> oh Lord, we've just sung about those amazing truths of your word and we thank you that your word is an endless treasure and it tells us the story of your son becoming flesh and living among us and so as we look at it this morning may it be that to us may it be a treasure and may it point us to your son the lord jesus christ amen we're beginning a new series this morning that's going to uh, take us through the uh, summer period. I'm calling it Diary of a Disciple. It's actually based around some scripture union material that we're going to be using with, uh, with the children, and uh, we're going to be encouraging them to read this, uh, this book that is particularly aimed at families called Diary of a Disciple, which is a kind of family-friendly version of the Gospel of Luke. But for those of us who perhaps feel, you know, we're perhaps not got children or we're a little bit beyond this, one of the things I'd like to encourage you to do this summer is to read Luke's Gospel. Wouldn't that be a good project to have? That as we dip into Luke's Gospel, and we're only going to be dipping into five or six incidents in it, which point us to the, the reality of the character of the Lord Jesus Christ, wouldn't it be a great thing to do this summer to, uh, to read a Gospel? And I'd encourage you to read Luke's Gospel, either on your own or with your spouse or with your children or grandchildren or family or with a group of friends. Wouldn't that be a great thing to do? just to read through a gospel and get a picture of Jesus. And that's what we're going to be doing uh, in our, our services, just picking out five or six incidents from Luke's gospel, uh, which Luke wrote as a kind of diary, but it wasn't his experience. It was the experience of those who followed Jesus and his later experience of what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. Many famous diaries have been written through history. On the 12th of June, 1942, uh, a young girl was given uh, a diary for her 13th birthday present. And she began to keep a diary. 
These were her opening words that she wrote on the first page of her diary. She said, I hope I will be able to confide everything to you, as I have never been able to confide in anyone, and I hope you will be a great source of comfort and support. That diary, of course, was published. Uh, it has been published uh, in 70 different languages. It has sold more than 30 million copies. It was called originally the Diary of a Young Girl. It's now better known, of course, as the Diary of Anne Frank. And as that ordinary girl in an extraordinary situation began to keep a diary, little did she imagine the impact that it would have on generations to come. In 2001, a film was uh, released which became extraordinarily popular in the 2000s. It was called Bridget Jones's Diary, the story of a, a young woman expressing her hopes and longings for what she hoped her life would be. Uh, again, it's, uh, it's grossed $282 million and made a star of uh, Rennie Zellweger, the, uh, the star of that. It was a diary of a young woman seeking to find her way in life. And then there's a book called The Diary of a Wimpy Kid, written by Jeff Kenny. It follows the everyday life of Greg Heffley as he approaches adolescence. The series has now run to 16 books, worth $250 million, and is the sixth best-selling series of all time. What is it about diaries that gain our attention? Sometimes it's the insights we get into, into famous people. Many famous people have kept diaries of their great achievements. And maybe that's what attracts us. Reading of how somebody discovers fame and fortune or great achievement or great failure. But what is it about the diaries of ordinary people, often living ordinary lives, that can become so popular? Well, I think partly because it relates to us. It relates to our hopes, our dreams, our failures, our successes. Perhaps we read them and they reassure us that we're okay, that those secret thoughts we have, and maybe we even write down in our own diaries, are okay, are legitimate. Or maybe they give us hope. Maybe they give us something aim for. Diaries are intriguing to us. They open up a window to life for us. 2,000 years ago, Luke decided to write down a diary, but his diary was based on other people's experiences. It recorded the experiences of a group of 12 men, plus a number of others, hanging out with Jesus from Nazareth for three years. It recorded their highs and lows. It told of the exciting things that happened to them and that they experienced, but it also told of the times when they messed up and said or did the wrong thing. But Luke wanted to tell not just their story, Luke wanted to tell the most important story of all, the story of Jesus. He wanted people, especially one of his, his friends called Theophilus, to know who Jesus was, to know what Jesus had come to do, and to realize that they could encounter Jesus personally through this diary that Luke was writing. Luke called his diary a gospel. It's good news. 
The difference with Luke's diary was it was never written privately. It was written to reach out. It was written that people may see the good news. Diaries tend to be inward-looking. They share our personal, private thoughts and experiences. Luke's gospel is outward-looking. It shares the good news of Jesus Christ. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to dip into this diary and get a picture of who Jesus really is. This passage that we're going to look at this morning is really interesting. It comes at the tail end of Luke's account of the events surrounding the birth of Jesus. But it gives us the only insight we have into Jesus' childhood. We don't know anything really about what happened to Jesus from the time he was presented as a baby at the temple, as an eight-day-old baby, to the time when he appears as a 30-year-old man. We know very little. This is the only incident that we have recorded for us in the Gospels. And yet within this incident, we begin to see how a 12-year-old boy discovers his identity and his mission and his purpose in life. When Anne Frank began writing her diary as a 13-year-old girl, she had no idea where that would go. That was not true of Jesus. When Jesus, as a 12-year-old boy, went to the temple with his parents, he knew who he was. He knew what he'd come to do. That's remarkable, isn't it, for a teenager? And that points us to Jesus' true identity and true purpose. Well, the text tells us that they'd been up to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover like they did every year. Jesus, no doubt, had gone with them every year. Now he's 12 years old. They've been to the Passover. They're on their way back to Nazareth. And uh, what happens? (laughs) Well, a day into the journey, his parents, and they probably would have traveled in groups with other families. The men probably would have traveled separate to the women. And uh, Mary comes to Joseph and says, where's Jesus? And Joseph looks at Mary and says, I thought he was with you. And Mary looks at Joseph and says, I thought he was with you. And they begin to worry. And they go to uh, their friends and they go around all the family groups and say, is Jesus with you? No, I've not seen him. Is Jesus with you? No, not seen him. And suddenly, the panic that only parents can experience sets in. Have you ever lost your child even for a few minutes? I remember here in church when Ewan was little, um, he had this phase of just running off, and we came in and we said, where's Ewan? Where's Ewan? And for three minutes there was a panic because we didn't know where he'd gone. And he'd gone into the vestry and started playing with the toys because we used to have crash in there in those days. But just for three minutes, you kind of think, where's my son gone? Where's he gone? We know the panic, don't we, if we're parents. And they end up going back to Jerusalem. That takes them a day. They end up spending another day searching, and eventually they find Jesus. And when they find Jesus in the temple, a remarkable conversation takes place between two parents and a child that points us to the true identity of Jesus. So just two quick things. 
What does this reveal to us about who Jesus is? Firstly, we follow Jesus because of who he is. It says in verse 47 that um, the teachers and the people at the temple were amazed at his understanding and answers. He'd been dialoguing with the religious teachers and leaders about the scriptures. And it says that they were amazed. What amazed them? What amazed them was what 12-year-old boy is able to discuss the scriptures in such an incredible, intelligent, knowledgeable way. They'd never come across a 12-year-old boy who could do that before. They were amazed. What was his parents' response when they found what he was doing in the temple? Verse 50, they did not understand what he was saying to them. Even his parents, even those closest to him, did not understand who he was and what he was doing. Now, I'm sure, as, for anyone who's had a teenager, that there have been points in your parenting where you thought, I don't understand this person. I don't understand what they're doing. I don't understand why they behave like this. That's normal. The religious leaders didn't understand who he was. His parents didn't understand who he was. So far, so normal, you might say. But this, here's the thing. Jesus did. This passage, more than any other, actually, confirms Jesus' identity. Just think about this for a moment. Very significant. Jesus, 12 years old, in the Jewish faith, when a boy reaches 13, he becomes an adult. In that year, between 12 and 13, the father invests his life into his son, teaching him the scriptures, teaching him his role as head of the family, teaching him about how he can teach the scriptures in the synagogue. At 13, a boy becomes responsible for his own actions in the Jewish faith. Joseph would have been doing that with Jesus for the past year, training, mentoring, apprenticing him, preparing him for adulthood and life, preparing for him to be a good son, preparing for him to be the head of the family, preparing him to be the carpenter in the village of Nazareth. All of this preparation was going on. That was what they saw Jesus as, a good son, a good carpenter, a good boy, a religious boy. They saw him in those terms. But Jesus realized he was more than that. Oh, he was all of those things, but he was more than that. I love the way that Mary responds in verse 48. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Ever had a mother say that? Wait till your father gets home. That's what Mary's saying, basically. Your father and I are so worried about you. But they needn't have worried. And Jesus' response might seem discourteous, it might seem shocking, it might seem incomprehensible, because Jesus' response is, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? He's saying to his parents, don't you understand 
Don't you get it? Don't you realize who I am? Can't you remember what the angels and the wise men and the shepherds said about me when I was born as a baby? Don't you remember? Don't you know who I really am? And Jesus reveals in those words an incredible sense of the identity and calling that he knew he had. It's quite intriguing, actually, when you think about it, as to what happened in those 12 years. Had Mary and Joseph kind of forgotten about what happened at Christmas? Not forgotten in terms they didn't remember it, but had they forgotten the significance of his birth and the circumstances surrounding it? And of course, the second phrase, my father's house. Now, we might refer to God as father, and it trips off our tongues, and we don't think an awful lot about it. But for a Jewish boy to say, my, I'm in my father's house, speaking of the temple, was unheard of. People would have said, but Joseph's your father. Nazareth's your home. How can you talk about this being your father's house? What are you talking about, Jesus? Abraham may have been the father of the nation, but he wouldn't have dared call God his father. By the way, no other religion dares to call God their father, except for Christianity. And that's because Jesus is the Father's Son. Jesus' identity was only seen through the Father. And here's the amazing truth, that just as Jesus' identity was seen through the Father, our identity is seen through Jesus. Our ability to call God Father is seen through Jesus. And when we come into that identity, we have a new relationship with God. How do you see your sense of identity and calling? Do you see it in purely the terms that Joseph and Mary saw it for Jesus, of being a good person, of doing the right things, of being a good family member, of being a religious person? Or do you see your identity, your ultimate identity, through Jesus Christ, through his work on the cross, being able to call God our Father, to be sons and daughters of the living God, to be children of God through being adopted by Jesus Christ. This passage reveals to us Jesus' true identity, and it sets before us this vision of what our true identity can be. Through Jesus, we can call God our Father. And then just the second point, we follow Jesus because he is the one the Bible points to. What did Jesus do when he was in his father's house that enabled him to be so clear about his identity and calling? Well, he was studying and understanding the scriptures. Verse 46, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and answering questions. Verse 47, everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. In the day and age where no home would have had a copy of the scriptures, the place to go if you wanted to understand the scriptures was the synagogue, or in this case, it would be the temple. This was where you hear the scriptures read. 
This was where men could debate the Scriptures. And for Jesus, understanding the Scriptures was a two-way process. It involved listening and asking questions. That's how we learn, isn't it? We learn through listening and asking questions. But here's the amazing thing about Jesus, was that he also showed understanding and was able to answer questions posed to him. Jesus had come to a point of clarity about the Scriptures. And of course, the Scriptures pointed to him. This was the bit that perhaps Joseph hadn't fully got yet. You know, Joseph, as he's preparing Jesus for his bar mitzvah, would have said things like, Jesus, you're going to be a carpenter. You're going to be a, a, a member of the Jewish community. But as Jesus thought about this and thought about the scriptures, he began to realize that, yes, he would be a carpenter, and yes, he would be a Jew, but he was going to be something more than that. He was going to be the Messiah. How did he know that? Was it some strange, weird feeling he got inside him? No, it was because he understood the scriptures. As Joseph showed Jesus around the temple and explained the significance of all the different parts of the temple, Joseph would have said, Jesus, this is where you're going to spend time when you're a teacher. This is what this means. This is what this means. But Jesus, as he understood the scriptures, realized that a time would come when as a result of his identity and calling, the temple would lose its significance. That as a, as a place of God's presence, it would be destroyed because Jesus himself was God's presence now and he would share God's presence with others. And as they celebrated the feast of the Passover and Joseph said, Jesus, this is how you do Passover. This is what the lamb points to. This is what this points to. Jesus would have known already that his physical life would end by the offering of his body as a living sacrifice, as the Lamb of God who would deal with human sin and there would be no more need for lambs or sacrifices other than the offering of our lives in worship to God because of who Jesus is. Already Jesus knows who the scriptures point to. There's that verse in John, isn't it, where he says to the, the leaders, you diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. But Jesus then says, but these are the scriptures that testify about me. Jesus knew the scriptures pointed to him. Now he had to learn that. The Bible says that he had to be he had to learn obedience, and he had to learn the scriptures, even though he was the Son of God. But Jesus knew where the scriptures were going. He knew who they pointed to. And the reason why we make, give the Bible such a high priority, the reason why we believe teaching the scriptures is so important to our spiritual life, is that because they ultimately will always point us to Jesus. You cannot love Jesus and not love the scriptures because the scriptures are always pointing to him. And just one final comment. I love this little phrase at the end. It says of Mary, but his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Do you know, at the end of the birth stories, you, Luke uses the same phrase. Mary 
pondered all these things and treasured them in their hearts. Now, here, Jesus, 12-year-old, he uses the same phrase. Mary treasured these things in her heart. What did she treasure? She treasured the fact that she knew now who Jesus was. She knew Jesus wasn't just her son, wasn't just a good boy who would grow up to be a great man. Mary treasured that she now knew that Jesus was God's son who had come to put the world to right by saving us from ourselves and teaching us how we can know God as our father. She treasured who Jesus was. And secondly, she treasured Jesus as the one who the Bible pointed to. Generations to come would ponder this truth. And Mary began to realize that these scriptures that were so important to the community of her people pointed to Jesus. The Bible is not some strange religious book that we can never understand. The Bible always points us to Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. So this morning, what do we treasure about Jesus? What do we treasure about who Jesus is? Do we treasure him as the son of the Father, who through his work on the cross brings us into a relationship with the Father? Do we treasure him this morning as the one who we can hear speaking to us through his word so that we can know him as he really is and follow him as our Lord and as our